going through Sunday school, uh, attendance is, is hurting. Uh, we want to bolster Sunday school if you can be here. And uh, we, we're going through the book of Romans. It's so profitable, so rich, and so free. So if you can make it, we'd like everybody to be uh, Sunday school. starts at 10. So if anybody can come, we want you to bring a friend and um, donuts. Amen. All right. We're working at that. All right, everybody with me. Romans chapter 11. Let's pray, Father. Help us now tonight to be blessed in your word. And we thank you, God, for giving us this tremendous uh, source of life in our hands that we might read and devote ourselves to you every day. We thank you for the precious word of God that grows in us and uh, uh, equips us for the future. Lord, help your word to be a lamp under our feet and a light under our path that we might not sin against you as we lodge this word and hide this word in our heart. And we pray that you'll give our church a tremendous uh, uptick, a tremendous revival. And we pray, God, that you'll bless our family members and friends and church members. We pray that you'll bless our visiting friends. Give us a great weekend coming up. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go. Now, verse 26, if you'll turn there with me, I want to bring a thought out tonight that, um, that, that it's, it's about God. You know, there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding about God today. There's a lot of people that have a problem with God. They're mad at God. People uh, don't understand God. If you don't know his word, you're going to have a misconcept of God. Amen? Uh, so to get to know God, you have to, you have to really understand him through the eyes of his word. Um, but boy, there's a misconception about God. So I just want to say tonight, verse 26 through 29, let's see just what we can find about God. All right? It says, And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake, sakes. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Now, verse 29 is what I'd like to focus on tonight. The gifts and calling of God. Now, remember, gifts are, are uh, depicted as plural, but look at the next word. The next word that we're going to study tonight is the calling. Now, I used to always quote this verse, the gifts, plural, and callings, plural, of God. That's not what the Bible says. The gifts are plural, but the calling is singular. That one calling is, is something that we need to investigate. God calls people and he calls us as a general universal uh, humanity is being called. Uh, you have been called to the gospel. You have been called in many, many ways. So there's a universal call that's unrepentable. God is not going to change his mind and say, well, okay, I don't want anybody to be saved. That, that calling is there, it will not change. Now, that, not only the calling of God, but the gifts that God gives you. Do you realize that if everybody in this room right now practiced and exercised the gifts that God has given to you, that you would, you would, you would be so rich and so incredibly happy as you would be fulfilled. You would be, uh, and all of us, 
uh, can say that we have, we have room for improvement. Is that right? Uh, I have gifts that I have that sometimes I don't get to use them. But these are gifts, and they're plural. So there's gifts that you have that you could know, uh, education, skills. But there's also spiritual gifts that you have. I know people that have spiritual gifts that I don't have. Now, I have been tested. I don't know how accurate the test was, but I was tested about spiritual gifts. There's a lot of psychologists that like to give that test out, Christian psychologists. I don't want to just throw away all their labor. They've studied this out. They've analyzed people. And you have a set of spiritual gifts. Now, some people have spiritual gifts that are multitudinous. Some have just a, a couple, and maybe you only have one gift that you primarily have. But it's nice to know that you can, you can actually discover that gift, but it is something that God has given you, and God always have, will have you have that, but you, you, you might not use it. So what I, what I mean tonight is that uh, the verse says that the gifts are, are not going to be repent. God's not going to repent of that. He made you and I just like he wants us. You, you can become better at your spiritual gifts. Uh, some would say personality, right? How many understand there's different personalities? How many say, like, if, if there's a fire across the street, you might have any number of people acting differently. Some would run to the fire. Some would stay back and they'd scratch their chin and say, you know, if that guy would just do that, he wouldn't have the fire. And then some would be uh, down on their knees praying. Some would be on the phone crying and calling 911. Some would be just in any number of activities would be going on because people would be exercising their gifts. And uh, so that's, that's what God made us all different. But you're never going to be able to change that. Uh, God would only purify you and make you better. But he's not going to change your personality as the, the basic traits of you will always be you. You were created in the image of God. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. And so you're always going to be you. You were you before you got saved. But now that Jesus has saved you, you're better. You're, 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 you're much richer. And uh, the things that you used to do, let's say somebody was really good with math before they got saved, Right? Well, once they got saved, now they can put all that brain power into the Lord's work. Everybody understand, right? Before I got saved, I had a couple of skills. And when I got saved, I, said, I can put those to work for the Lord. And, there, you, you know, uh, there was a man named Dave Smith, and he was the bus director at Trinity Baptist Church years ago. We both were um, uh, both called to the ministry there in 1989 at the same time. And he was an MIT electrical engineer graduate from MIT. I don't even, Massachusetts Institute of Technology or Purdue or some big old college, man. I mean, he was a brain. And he took all of that organization power that he had, and guess what he did with it? Once he got saved, he turned it all and put it into the bus ministry, and he became one of the best bus directors, organizing hundreds and hundreds of children. In fact, his heart was so into it that when he and his wife got married, they got married on a bus, a Sunday school church, Baptist church bus. I saw pictures of her in her beautiful wedding dress in the stairwell of a, of a yellow Sunday school bus. 
and the preacher was there. They had the picture, you know, she was all. Now that takes dedication, amen? Now, I'm not sure if I'd have done that, my wife would have gone along with that. But my goodness, there's, 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 there's uh, sugar candy melted on the floor and there's all kinds of stuff. You ever been in a Sunday school bus? And that guy was so dedicated that he and his wife got married on a Sunday school bus. I think that's great. Here's this, here's this college professor teaching electrical engineering. And he gets saved and he turns his life over to the Lord. And now he's getting married on a Sunday school bus. Man. And you know, his gift and calling was, wasn't repented. God doesn't change that. So you and I, we, we are who we are, but you can put that to use for the Lord. So let's remember that. Let's look at uh, uh, Malachi. Malachi. Let's go to Malachi. Right before Matthew, there's uh, a beautiful book. talks about oh, tithing and giving, and, and it's, it's really fun. Now, don't be scared of this. I'm not going to go off and talk about money tonight, although it wouldn't hurt. Amen? Uh, nothing, nothing wrong with talking about how to... Uh, uh, you know, accurately. But now, that's not the place where we're going. Look at chapter number 3. Look at verse number 1. God said, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner, a purifier, and a, a purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old, and as in former years. And I will come near to you to judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, and against false swearers, against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right. And fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Who's holding Israel together then? It's not their righteousness, is it? How come Israel doesn't have idols anymore and they're not uh, sacrificing their babies in the fire? They don't have Baal worship anymore. They don't have idols. You go to Israel and you're not going to see people bowing down to idols anymore. The groves that they used to have on the top of the winery hills and the the vineyards, they're not there anymore. God wiped all that out. You know, all they, all they have now is just, they, they just have God's uh, peace and power and God's uh, just resting on them right now. But they're not like they used to be. God took all that away from them. They don't have that terrible, terrible idolatry that they used to have. It's amazing. But God said, I am the Lord, I change not. Because he changes not, because he can't repent, because he's not a man that changes his mind. He said, therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not, are not consumed. So God's holding us together. I want you to re remember tonight, God is not fickle. Everybody know what fickle is? That's like, a, that's like a girl that has a boyfriend. And then a guy comes along 
with he's cuter, smarter, and he has a better car, and she changes boyfriends. And then another guy comes along, and he's got more money, and so she changes boyfriends. That's called fickle, right? Or in other words, as fickle as a guy, he goes in to uh, Home Depot, and he looks at the tools, and he says, oh, I've got to have that. So he gets it, and he puts that back. Oh, I've got to have this. Oh, no, I, I, want, I want this and that. And then, then he, whoa, I've got to go have this. Oh, well, no, I guess I better not. Um, you know what that is? That's being fickle. God is not fickle. Amen? He doesn't change his mind all the time. He is not uh, undecided. He, when God decides something, he, he's very decided. He's not half-hearted. Aren't you glad God is not half-hearted? God doesn't say, well, I think I might love you. Uh, he's not given to change. He doesn't change horses in the middle of the stream. God's not unsure of himself or anything else. He's never waffled. Anybody know what the word waffle means? That's, uh, that's when you change your mind. You know, you go into the hotel and uh, they have a breakfast there. You pour that little cup of sauce there, a batter into the waffle iron, and then the red light comes on. What are you supposed to do? You got to turn it over and flip it. That's waffling. That flip, flop, flip, flop. That's called politics, amen? But God has never flip-flopped. He's never waffled, never changed his mind. He's never fickle. He's never undecided. He's not unsure. God is very secure and dedicated. He's, he's a rock. He has no problem being right. Amen. And he never changes. And so when he said, I'm going to give you gifts and I'm going to call you. Whenever he called someone, he always stood by them. Have you ever noticed that? You remember what happened to Abraham? Did Abraham ever make a mistake and go down into Egypt? Did he ever have um, a new wife called Hagar? Did he ever have a baby with Hagar named Ishmael? Yes, he did. Was that something he should have done? No, no. But did God never, never uh, forsake him? He never left him. He says, now, from you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. When God said that, he meant it, and so you can count on it. That's what, that's what we need to realize tonight. Your, your gifts and your calling, that, that is, he's not going to uh, renege on that. He's not going to repent about that. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. He stayed with Isaac. He stayed with Jacob. My goodness, did not Jacob turn out to be quite a, a trickster? Uh, the, the word is supplanter. He was, he was deceitful. I mean, he was a sneak. He was trickster. I mean, he, he made everybody mad. Remember Joseph. Joseph. He was stood by Joseph in the middle of Egypt when the whole place was in terrible economic problems. He stood by Joseph. In fact, he's the one that had Joseph go as a slave into Egypt. And uh, he, he allowed Potiphar's wife to approach him and God gave him strength he was put in prison and then up he comes out of prison and Pharaoh made him second in command there wasn't anybody higher than Joseph in the whole land except for Pharaoh and he kept that country alive for seven years in famine because God did not leave him he said I will never leave thee nor forsake thee I'm going to be with you I'm glad God saved us and he still knows us amen I'm glad the Lord said, no, no, 
I'm the one that you're counting on. I'm the reason you're going to make it. I'm the reason you're going to be okay. I'm the one that is holding you up. You're not holding yourself up. I'm the one that's carrying you. I'm the one that's doing everything for you. You need to trust me and love me. I'll never leave you. Boy, have you ever been insecure in your life? Oh, my goodness. There's times in my life I've been really insecure. And I'll just be honest with you. I, I don't need to tell you all the times I've been insecure. But the insecurity is a disease. It really is. If you, if you don't trust God, you've got to learn how to trust Him. I was very insecure. My goodness, just, just so. I, I thought that when I went to college years ago, I thought some, somebody was going to knock me out. I thought somebody was going to, uh, I, I don't know what it was. I thought I had a fear of getting a bad grade. I had a fear of leaving the campus. I was so insecure. I didn't need to be insecure. I just needed to learn how to relax and trust God. Amen? And uh, I never left the campus for three years. I, it helped me with my credits. <laughs> my senior year, I went golfing a lot. I lost my insecurity and went golfing. Amen? But I, I was just so insecure, I couldn't leave. I thought, I'm never going to make it. My, my whole desire was... I was so insecure about not graduating. I thought, this is, I'm not, I can't let anything, and I was kind of overboard on it. I think I kind of overdid it. I needed to just relax and trust God. Have you ever been there where you just need to relax and trust God? Why? Because I thought sometimes it was up to me to get everything done. It's not up to me. Nothing is up to you except for you're following the commands of God. Those things are really... Now, he'll, he'll bless your work, and he wants you to be faithful, uh, but, but even though you're busy, it's, uh, it's really something to behold when God's in control. Tonight, he, his, callings, his calling is not going to be repented. He's called you, and his gifts that he has given you, they're going to stay with you. I've only gotten to be a better uh, uh, at, at gifts that I have. I've only, if I use them, I, they, they don't go away. They, they just get better. What, whatever God has you to do, you'll get better at it if you use it. Uh, how, how many of you are musicians in here? You play anything. How many play the radio? <laughs> I, I, you still have to learn how to dial that. But uh, David, now think about this. David had to learn the harp, didn't he? He was a harpist. You know what happened to him? When God got a hold of it, he became one of the best, well, the sweet psalmist of Israel. He, he played the harp. You say, was, was David a real man's man? What do you think? I mean, here's a guy that uh, slung a stone and took his sword from uh, Goliath. Uh, it seems to me that David was quite a strong man, don't you think? I mean, he went up and said, no, I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds. You come to me with a stay. I'm going to come with you in the name of the Lord. You know, basically, I'm going to beat you into a pulp. I'm going to beat you. You're going to lose. It was a, it was a mano e mano, right? Man to man. Is that what that is? That right? I mean, one to one, man to man. Let's go duke it out face to face, right? That's that's the strong guy there. And yet, some people think he's uh, just rather, rather effeminate playing a harp. And I don't think he played a harp very effeminately. I think he played it like a man. Amen? 
strum. I just say, hey, hey, David, look at your little harp there. What'd you say? Come over here. I'll show you this harp. I'll show, I'll show you what this harp can do. Put your head in this harp. Uh, but I, David, David knew how to be a warrior. He knew how to be a battle-hardened veteran. Even in his, in his end of his life, he, he was almost killed because he was elderly and he still wanted to go out and fight the giants. And it took his son to say, you're not going to go here anymore, Dad. you got to stop going out to battle. You can't do this. You're going to die. That, that man had a gift uh, and several gifts, and, and he had a calling. And God never left him. In fact, at the end of David's life, he, he died in a good old age full of honor. I love that. God was with him from the sheep coats all the way to the end. And all through his life, he never, and God's never going to leave you. He's never going to change his mind about you. He's never going to waffle. He's never going to say, oh, man, oh, I forgot. God doesn't forget. God never, ever changes like that. He didn't change to Moses. Moses says, I can't do this. He said, oh, yes, you can. I'm going to give you Aaron. And you're gonna, he's going to be your mouthpiece. And guess who did most of the talking? It wasn't Aaron. God gave Moses authority and power that no man on earth has ever had. And Aaron was there to help him. But you know what? That, he didn't need it. God blessed Moses and he spoke to the children of Israel. Now, we see Daniel in the lion's den. God was with him, right? Uh, what, what, what about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They got thrown into the furnace. The people that threw him in there died. But who, who was that fourth man in the fire? That was the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, never leaving Daniel he, and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God never, and the lions are all around. And as soon as Daniel was lifted up out of the lion's den, the other guys were thrown in there. And the Bible says they got consumed before they hit the ground. God opened up the, the mouths of the lion. They were so hungry but he shut the mouths of those lions while, Dave, or while Daniel was in there. And he never got uh, uh, bit. He, I think he petted him. I do. I think, it, you know, there was no pillow there. So he had to lay down maybe and put his head on the, on the lion. And that was furry. So that's pretty cool. But boy, oh boy. That's the kind of God we have. That's the kind of God we have. He's never going to waffle. He's never going to change. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he was always getting threatened and they tried to kill him and whipped and beat and robbed and shipwrecked and uh, the perils of the sea, perils of his countrymen. Every time he was stoned and uh, thrown out of the city in a rock pile, but God never left him. God never, never forsook him. We need to remember that right about now, our country needs Christians that are smiling as they go. Amen. You need to be so confident of your God that when people look at you and they see that you're not, you know, can I tell you something? I'm not bragging. I want, before I say this, I want you to know, promise me, promise me that you won't think I'm bragging. If you promise, would you say amen? Not everybody amen. Who's holding out? Come on. I'm not, I'm not bragging. I had a guy a couple days ago, I went into Woods Coffee. I got, I got a cup of coffee. I was, I was coming out, and one of the guys stopped me. He goes, Pastor, I want to tell you something. Come here. 
I came over to his table and he goes, I just want you to know, I can tell that you really love people. And I can tell that you really love God. And I can tell that people love you. What do you do with that? You can't say, yeah, I know. That's the wrong thing. And you don't say, well, praise the Lord. No, that means you agree with him. I, you know, I couldn't, I didn't know what to say. So I said, well, that's exactly how we feel about you. Because I do. You know, for him to say such kind words to me, it's obviously in his heart too. So I was just so blessed. I made, I walked out of there thinking like, somebody loves me. <laughs> anyway, I, I was I, I was really, really just flabbergasted. When do you ever have anybody to, to say that to you? Especially somebody that, you know, you just pass and pass and pass and pass. And I, 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 I'm just amazed. I just, I thank God. You know what it was? It was the Lord telling me, I got you. I'm right here with you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'm never leaving. I'm still here. You know, we get so busy and we look around. There's God. Yes, he's with me. And you hardly ever look back and say, oh, I, I know you're with me. Well, why, why, don't you, why don't you go back with him and just enjoy that? Instead of running like crazy, and trying to live your life without him. Sometimes we just need to say, Lord, I know you're here. I know you're with me. I know you promised you'd never leave. I got laid off from the shipyard one time. And man, that was scary because we had just, I think, our second child. I was scared. I was, I was supposed to be the leader of my home. I think, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I'm unemployed. When that guy gave me that last check and said, see, you wouldn't want to be you. He didn't say that, but I, that's how I felt. You're just a scumball. Get out of here. No, he, he said, I'm really sorry, Shave. I, I don't want to do this, but we ran out of work. I said, that's okay. He said, you come back anytime, and uh, we're, we're going to get some more ships later on in a couple months, but you just, you just know we, we're really sorry to give you this. So he gave me that last check, went down to the grocery store, bought a bunch of groceries, and said, what am I going to do for two months? I don't want to go on employment. And that's, I just, I just, I don't want to sit home. My wife would kick me out of the house. And, you know, I thought about just sitting there. You know, I really love you. That would have been pretty good for the first five minutes. But then about noon, I was like, well, oh, you're still here. Yeah, I just want to let you know I just love you. Okay, great, great. About dinner time, I just love you. I just want to sit here at the kitchen table and tell you how much I love you. Then tomorrow, the next day, it's me again, and I, yeah, I love you. And pretty soon she's here, yeah, I heard that, you know. Um, okay, okay, I've heard enough. Get out of here like some other men do. Give me some money, you know. But, <laughs> but anyway, anyway, no, my wife wouldn't do that. But I, you, can really, you can really be in the wrong place. I, I, two months without work. So what I did, I thought, I got to get going. I can't do this. I got kids to feed. So I went to my best buddy, and I borrowed $200. I bought a ladder, a bunch of business cards, and some window cleaning gear. And I went out, man, and I started banging doors and dealerships and car dealers and rich people, you know, with the great big mansions. And I had so much work. By the time I was done with two months before the shipyard called me back, my goodness, I had so much work to do, and I was making such good money. 
but I forgot that I had free dental, free medical, and overtime and all that. And I, I, I'm not sure if I'd have done it again. But I told the shipyard when they called, I said, I can't, I can't stop. I started a business. I got to keep going. And she said, really? Okay. Are you sure? I said, yes, ma'am. I, I, thank you. But I, I, I got this business. I got to get going on this. She said, okay. You know, disappointed. But um, man alive. Uh, when I got that check and I went my last day of work and they, they gave me the pink slip and said I was laid off. Then they gave me my severance check. I went down to the uh, restaurant that I used to go before you, had, before you didn't have to wear masks and stuff and before you, you didn't have to have social distancing and stuff. I sat down at the counter. I ordered a cheeseburger and a cup of coffee and I broke open my Bible on the counter and I prayed and I said, Lord, I know you didn't die. I know you're still here. I don't know what's going on, but I don't have a job. And I said, I just need you to help me. You know what? He didn't leave me. He didn't forsake me. He didn't forget. He didn't waffle. He, he was very sure. And all the things that I had trusted him before, he, he did them again. And by the time, by the time I, I picked, picked my brain up again from the shock, I, we, we were making enough money to pay the bills. We never missed a beat. And then I had freedom to go take the teenagers up to the, the Bible camp. I had, I had freedom to build a roof for the church. I had all kinds of freedom. I, I, I was just amazed. God never left me. He's not going to leave you. His gifts and callings. He has spiritual gifts and material gifts. My goodness, uh, we're running out of time. But I want you to see something here. Look at... Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Would you turn there, please? Tonight, you have to remember, God never, ever forsakes His children. He's not a deadbeat dad. He is a caring, loving, nurturing... Uh, he's a shepherd. He, 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 he's concerned. He, he, and when He putteth forth His own ship, sheep, He goeth before them... And they follow him because they, they trust him and he, he knows them by name. He's got every one of us named. It's amazing how God can do that with every single one of his children. Look at chapter 12, please, verses 1 through 4. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, you have a spiritual gift if you're saved. You've just got to uh, discover it or enhance it. I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away under these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand, no man can speak by the Spirit of God, or excuse, speaking, uh, calleth Jesus accursed. And no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, you can say stuff, but if you really mean it, Jesus Christ is the Lord, the Holy Ghost is speaking through you. That's a gift from God. Do you see that? If you've ever witnessed, that's a gift from God. That's a spiritual gift. Look at verse 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts. We know this because of the word, the plural word. The gifts, plural, is different than the gift of God, which is eternal life. That's, that's salvation. That's gift. Everybody can get that gift. But these other gifts are different because they vary. They're diversities. It says, uh, but the same spirit. 
And there are differences of administrations. That's why every church is a little different. Don't worry about that. You're never going to have every church the same. You're never going to be the same. You're not going to have two Christians the same. You know, they used to do, they used to uh, try to uh, act like uh, Brother Gray uh, and, and the, the president of our college. Everybody used to dress exactly like he did. If he had pointed shoes that were patent leather and all shiny, everybody wanted to be like him. They got those same shoes. And if he was putting banaka in his mouth and putting the little cap on it, all of a sudden it swept through the whole church. Everybody was gone. Uh, uh, um. One time, Brother Gray, he had, uh, anybody know what a Vicks, um, it's an inhaler. You put it in a nostril and it's really menthol, you know. And for years, he'd, he'd be up on the pulpit and uh, while he was preaching, he'd take that little Vicks thing and, you know, and then he'd, you know, right, right when he was preaching. And guess what? Guess what I did? <laughs> I laughed at him. I, no, I went out and I said, man, if I'm going to be a preacher, man, I got to have a Vicks inhaler for my, na my nasal. I said, whoa, that's pretty good. It opens it up. Yeah, sure. And then all of a sudden they had a tie class with a little bar that stuck your tie out like that. All of a sudden, every guy in the college, man, we got, uh, they got a little bar uh, called a tie bar. You had to have a tie bar. My goodness. <laughs> you know, I wish, I wish we'd copy the good things about people, amen? But uh, that's not a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is something you get in your heart. That's it. You don't have to dress like somebody else. You don't have to look like somebody else. You don't have to, uh, you know, have some kind of a, a little quirk in your personality. You be yourself, amen? And you do what's right and do it in the sight of God. And you, you'll be surprised. God will be with you just just. Because he loves you and he made you. Spiritual gifts. Then we have material gifts too. Look at Hebrews chapter number 8. We're going to finish. Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 3. Now, there are gifts. There are sacrifices that you can make. There are things that are so beautiful that you can do as a Christian. Some of you have the gift of giving. Some of you have the gift of exhortation. Some of you have the gift of of uh, knowledge, meaning that, uh, you, you know, you, you can pick stuff up. And some of you can carry a language real good. You can learn a language. Some of you have the gift of exhortation. Uh, so there's, and, and, you know, I found out I had a gift. I, I did not know, but um, after I was tested, I only had one major, major gift. And uh, when, the whole, when my classmates found out about it, they all laughed at me, except the teacher said, hey, wait a minute, don't laugh. I can see that. He said, that, uh, this, this test said I had the gift of mercy. And I thought, yeah, you know, that's right. I'm very merciful. By the way, I am merciful. You know why they laughed? Because I was a dorm supervisor. I was handing out demerits. I was telling guys to get haircuts and stuff. And that's why they laughed, because they thought, you don't have the gift of mercy. <laughs> yeah, I really do. So, if you stay right, I'll be merciful to you. No, no. Get out of bed, and I'll have mercy on you. No, no, no. Hey, amen? Hey, that's, that's a gift that every dad needs. Mercy. Mercy. Are you with me? Look at Hebrews chapter 8 um, <clears throat> and verse number 3. For every high priest is ordained to offer 
gifts, and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. So, if you are saved, you are actually in the priesthood of the believer. You can pray directly, like we said last Sunday night, right straight to God. You have total access to the Lord. So, you can actually offer gifts to the Lord. You, you have gifts that you can give to Him. It is your job to offer up these spiritual gifts that you have. So, put yourself to use. And do something for the Lord, and you'll be blessed. Because you're, you're in His family. You're in the priesthood. Now lastly, I want to show you one. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. <clears throat> and we'll, we'll, we cannot exhaust all this tonight. But I want you to know God, He has given us a set of skills and gifts. And then the calling. And this is so important. You have been called. Uh, look at chapter 3, verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the what? <coughs> Heavenly what? Heavenly calling. God called me to the cross. That's that heavenly calling. Everybody is called. And once you're, once you're saved, God just might have other calls that He wants you to respond to there's a heavenly calling there's a hopeful calling in uh, Ephesians 4 you don't have to turn there there is a high calling and then there's a holy calling you know God can still call people we just might not always want to listen but he's calling and he's giving and God is always just as solid as they come he's stable amen is he secure? Is God secure? Is he immutable? Does that mean he's got things that he'll never ever change on? Is he trustworthy? Is he tried? Has anybody proven him? Sure. Can he pass tests? Come now. Let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as wool. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool, I mean as white as snow. He says, prove me now herewith when you, when you give. Prove me now herewith and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Go ahead and put me to the test. I've never changed. I'm still the same God as I was in Genesis 1.1. In Genesis, uh, Revelation 22, I'm going to still be the same God. And I'm, he's the same God he always has been. He never changes. He says, the rock of ages Praise the Lord. One last verse. Look at Colossians with me. Let's turn backwards to Colossians. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1. Just, just a couple verses. We're going uh, to close up church tonight. But boy, isn't this a thought? Don't, don't you want somebody you can count on? That he never, ever, ever changes. He's as solid as, they, as, as solid can come. He, he's as faithful to us. The God is faithful. Will not uh, suffer you to be tempted above you. You're able. Well, with the temptation will make a, a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. He, he just, he's always there. He's going to be with you through thick and thin. He's original. He's authentic. He's authoritative. He's, he's the ultimate supreme authority. 
He's holy. He's pure. He's real. He's founded. He's proven. He's examined, tested, and tried. That's our God. I don't know what in the world I ever doubt God for. Why do I ever doubt Him? I'm ashamed of myself how much I doubt God. Let's look at this last verse tonight, Colossians 1 and verse number 12. Would you turn there and we'll be done. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Now here it is, 16 and 17, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him, and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Let me ask you one more question tonight. Who's holding you up? God. Who is it that's holding your life in his hands? God Almighty. He never changes. It's such a comforting thought tonight. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this wonderful truth tonight. That no matter whether we're elderly or young or, or in a storm or out of a storm, healthy through thick and thin, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, till death do us part, you have been with us and will be with us forever. God, we thank you for the eternal power of your love that you never change. And Lord, we thank you that the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. Bless us this weekend. Give us a great big day in church on Sunday. Help everyone in our church to be healthy. Help our friends to come back and help our church members to come back. And I pray that you'll give us a great outpouring of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.